folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, looking beautiful on the other side of the Zoom call. What's up, Myron? Doing well, man. We got we got football, kind of. Can I, just, can I just comment real quick on the cup that you are drinking out of? It looks like the largest cup I maybe have ever seen. <laughs> it's sports. It's a sports center cup that is the size of your head. Yeah, it's, it's one of those that you get in, like, the uh, gift shop on campus. It is it is gigantic, and it's my favorite my favorite cup because it gives me more room to put extra vanilla creamer in it, which is really what I drink. I drink like one fourth cup of coffee, and then the rest is creamer. So it's good for that. I like that you're <laughs> shopping at ESPN's gift shop when you work for ESPN. Um, it's so cheesy. Corner. I thought maybe they were company issued giant cups that they just sent everyone, but you're there <laughs> on yeah. campus issued. shopping. <laughs> Issued by your paycheck. Yeah, you got to pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, they, uh, when I worked at Hubbard, they did give us the shirts for free. So uh, nice. I, I hope you didn't have to pay for that shirt that you're wearing. It says ESPN on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay for this too. Yeah, oh, great. Too. Uh, well, yeah. we'll just move on. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about here. I want this show to be called What's Gonna Happen. Um, because there's lots to talk about in the NFL. And I think it just got a little more interesting after last night and the Tampa Bay Bucks losing to the Chicago Bears and they lose Vita Vey to a serious injury. They've got other injuries there. Tom Brady is marching off without acknowledging Nick Foles, which if Stefan Diggs did it, we could always play that game. Uh, he yelled at teammates. He wanted out from his longtime franchise but not a diva, Stefan Diggs, a diva, just clearing that up. Yeah. Um, so I, I want you to tell me your opinion on what's going to happen between the Minnesota Vikings and Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night. Well, I would say every betting man and woman probably should take the under here because I think this is going to be a high-scoring uh, – I mean, take the over, I'm sorry. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, you, know, you got two teams that have struggled defensively. 
for all the beautiful things Seattle has done and Russell Wilson has done, uh, looking like an MVP, they're giving up almost 500 yards a game. Um, the Vikings aren't much different than that, but I, I don't think anyone's impressed by what these teams are doing defensively. It's going to come down to are you going to get the same kind of performance from Thielen and Justin Jefferson? Is Dalvin Cook going to be explosive again as a runner? And can Kirk Cousins hit his targets? And can you win one of those games that you've been in already? Can you win a 31 to 27? This might be 36, 40 for all we know. Can you win one of those games? And I think for me, those games don't come down to you having this complete defense. Those games come down to having a defense that can make one or two incredibly significant plays down the stretch and, and, and make that the difference in the game. You know, Jamal Adams was hurt, I believe, for this Sunday game again. Um, and, and they were struggling, you know, even, even with them. That's still not a complete defensive unit. You're obviously missing some key pieces for Minnesota as well. I just think it's Russell Wilson versus Kirk Cousins and an impressive uh, trio of talent. And who can win the fourth quarter? Because I suspect we go into the fourth quarter and it's one of those 30-27 situations. Maybe Seattle's up, maybe Minnesota's up. But how do you how do you finish? You know, I don't think the Vikings have to win. Um, but I do think this is the kind of game on a national stage where you prove something to yourself, and then maybe you build off this to go on a run. Uh, but if you just get destroyed, I don't know. The, the more hopelessness sets in. I think if you want to make the playoffs, you have to win just from a numbers standpoint. Just from a, if you have four losses now and you're playing, you know, Green Bay coming up on the road, that's going to be a really tough one for you. Even though Dallas isn't good, it's a winnable game, but they're coming up. You know, you, you've got other teams that uh, are difficult games on the road, and getting on a run after going one and four is pretty darn difficult. But if you go to two and three, and then you have Atlanta coming to your building before the bye if they were three and three at the bye we'd all go oh that's about where we thought they were going to be let me ask you uh do you think that the Kirk Cousins national tv thing is a real thing that you know he has some sort of I don't know trouble specifically with these types of games maybe it goes against his sleep schedule I, I don't know I tried to go through the numbers on this a couple of years ago when it became a big thing in 2018, and I could not really find that there was any evidence specifically that he played poorly or worse in those games. It was usually he was playing against good teams, which we know he often comes out on the wrong side of. And uh, a lot of times his team was worse. Like the Washington teams that he played on were not the favored team when he was going into those games. But I wonder if you think there's something there with it. And I'll add this, that Nick Foles now has as many game-winning drives this season as Kirk Cousins has as a Minnesota Viking. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, it's – it's uh, you know, I'm a big boxing guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge, crazy boxing fan. One of the few left, I think. But – um there would be guys who were like historically great fighters who just couldn't fight southpaws, you know, guys who weren't in an orthodox stance, like guys, you know, who fight sort of the opposite. And you just would look at their record and they would just have these incredibly difficult fights. 
against guys who weren't on their level necessarily, but they just fought in a style that just just stuck with them their whole careers, you know? So I, I think there is something to be said about tying a, partip- a particular moment scenario to a professional athlete that kind of follows them throughout their career. I, I think you're right in terms of have the numbers shown that he was the reason for for the loss. I think there are a lot of situations where that's not the case, right, if you look at his history. I wonder how many times you find where he was the reason for a win or should have been. And I think that's the difference. It's not about – we judge Kirk Cousins in terms of is he the reason they lost, whereas he's playing a guy Sunday night where we go, the only reason that's a Super Bowl contender is because of how Russell Wilson is playing. The only reason Green Bay is a Super Bowl contender right now is because of what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Like, like to me, we've never had that conversation about Kirk. And in prime time on a national stage, that is where the best show up, where the best have to show up. So I don't think we've had enough situations where he's been the reason for a win. Or you've been able to say undeniably that this guy puts you in a position to win on the biggest stage in the NFL against good teams. And that continues to be the challenge. Yeah, it is interesting to say about a quarterback who you paid $84 million to start and then you extend is he the reason you lost all the time. And that's a, a consistent yeah. conversation with him. Yeah. And beating good teams is a real thing if you're a quarterback. I mean, most quarterbacks, spoiler, have losing records against good teams because they're good teams, and that's kind of the point, right? But Cousins has a – really surprising record against good teams, especially since he's come to Minnesota. He has two wins over teams that went to the playoffs and it's both times Philadelphia and both times they were the weakened version of Philadelphia, not the 2017 version, the nine and seven version that just barely got into the playoffs. Those are his two wins against playoff teams in his first two seasons. And then it's played out exactly that way. So far this year, you lose against the good green Bay team. You lose against what was a good, Tennessee team I don't know how good they're going to be going forward after a COVID outbreak Uh, but you know talented team that was in the playoffs last year and then when you play a bad team uh, against the Houston Texans you win and so now you're going to play a good Seattle team and it's really hard to pick them and you look at even last year where he played fairly well in the game against Seattle out there against the not great Seattle defense at that time either He has the ball in his hands with a chance to either go win it or tie it. What was it? Maybe tie it. Um, And it doesn't happen. And it's just, you know, oh no, uh, yeah, tie it. They were down 37-30. And he, you know, checks down on fourth down to Irv Smith, and that's the end of that. And so I, I think that there's reasonable questions about how he performs in big games against big teams, which are usually featured on national television. And I think there was a moment for everyone in 2018 when they went to Chicago and remember they flexed the game and Cousins said, we're the reason that everyone's here on national TV, not Chicago. And then he completely no showed and threw a pick six at the end of the game. And it just, you know, is one of those things where I think there was some, um, air that went onto the sails of Vikings fans and went, oh, this isn't going to be a whole lot different than with Case Keenum where you couldn't beat the good teams either. And and how long do we have these same conversations before we admit that's just who he is? You know, we're having the same conversation we've always had about Russell Wilson. That dude's going to give you a chance to win. Yep. No matter the circumstances. That's the narrative about him. You know, um, 
because good quarterbacks earn that. They, they, they earn that label. Um, especially in a league where, I mean, you've got teams putting up 400 yards a game like it's nothing. When just three years ago, I don't think one team averaged 400 yards uh, over the course of a regular season. I think we're past 10. I mean, Dallas, I think, is averaging more than 500 yards. So, like, you've got the significance of the quarterback position just continues to in, increase. And if you've got a good one, that's your chance. I mean, that's why Tampa Bay goes out and gets Tom Brady with all those weapons they have. They say, no, we need the guys who will put us in a position to win. And, and, and the great quarterbacks, the good quarterbacks have earned that. And I just feel like Kirk Cousins has been given many opportunities to secure that label. He's been given – opportunities in the latter half of the next part of his career to change the narrative. Fine. This happened earlier in career in Washington. We'll do it in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And he has it. So that's why it's hard to believe in him going into a critical matchup like this against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, And then you look across the field and you go, what, what does Russell Wilson really have? This guy's playing with running backs that nobody knows, never heard of, you know, he's, he's got maybe, you know, he's got a great receiver, young receiver in DK Metcalf. Uh, and another one on the other side of the field. Still a young guy that always made his mistakes. I mean, this is Russell Wilson just willing his team to victory, knowing that he's got a defense giving up 500 yards a game. <laughs> They're not going to help him. And and it's hard to have sympathy for Kirk Cousins and say, well, he's in the same boat. Well, he is. Do something about it. Right. There, there are a lot of quarterbacks who are in that boat this year where their defense is getting shredded. So what's going to happen – with Kirk Cousins against the Seattle Seahawks. Like, does he, I don't want to say break the curse because it's not like he's never won any of these games and he did win a playoff game. It's just that usually you go into the national TV games thinking this is not a a spot where you trust Kirk Cousins to step up big, but Seattle does not pressure the quarterback at all. I mean, you have more quarterback pressures this year than the Seattle Seahawks. So what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins against the Seahawks? I think Kirk Cousins will have a big three, a big three quarters, you know? I think we'll go into the fourth quarter, and I won't be surprised if they put up 27 points. And I won't be surprised if Seattle's put up 30 and that they're right there. And then I think you'll be in the, the situation we played over and over under Kirk Cousins. There'll be two drives that change the game. There'll be a drive where you've got to get a stop if you're Minnesota to not allow them to extend that lead from three to 10 and Minnesota won't be able to do it. And then there'll be that drive, that critical drive where if you're Minnesota, you got to get a score here because you can't give them the ball back up 10 in the fourth and they'll fail, you know, they won't execute. So then what really is a three point game, maybe looks like a 10 point game or a 13 point game just because of what happens in the fourth quarter. I just don't have any confidence with the game on the line that Kirk Cousins is a trustworthy playmaker. And that continues to be the thing that separates the haves from the have-nots in this league. I'm watching Thursday Night Football and ancient Nick Foles, you know, who – doesn't look like the guy who put up 500 yards in the Super Bowl and won it is somehow leading his team to victory over Tampa Bay. I mean, the Bears have been winning games like that all season. And they did it with Mitch Trubisky too. 
games that you can say, you know what, they probably shouldn't have won those games. They should have lost to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have lost to Atlanta. Should have lost to Tampa Bay. But guess what? They made plays down the stretch, and they get the win. You can win ugly. We'll take that. People will take that. You ain't got to be pretty every Sunday in the NFL. But if you're ugly every Sunday and you're losing all the time, that's when it gets – that's when it's a letdown. But but if Chicago can do it, like why can't you, you know? If Seattle's doing it with a guy who legitimately is carrying the entire team and Russell Wilson with no defense, why can't you? I mean, there's just no more excuses. I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the Duck Duck Gray Duck and the Randy Moss Goat, which you've got to see. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SOTASTICK, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, I think um, the the big thing about the situational stuff that you're describing that we've seen many times is that the weakness of Kirk Cousins is the drop-back passing game. And even Gary Kubiak hinted at this in his press conference the other day because I asked him about some of the max protection stuff that they did where they were only sending out uh, Thielen and Jefferson down the field and running play actions, and they were hitting for big gains. All of his big gains were on play actions. I think he had something like 150 yards on play actions actions and a touchdown, maybe only one or two incompletions when running play actions against the Texans. But when you are in a shootout and you're down in the fourth quarter, no one's going to care about your play action. The linebackers are just going to drop straight back. And a lot of those routes and route combinations are designed to have the linebackers not in that space. So those don't really work. And you have to go to the drop back passing game. And that's where, you know, against Tennessee, in that final drive, you've got, you know, the center kind of freaks out and snaps the ball too early, but the pressure comes and you don't have an offensive line that can do a whole lot in a drop back passing situation. And this has really been the case the entire time he's been in Minnesota. I think about this game as it could be very similar to the game in 2018 against the Rams. And when it came down to it at the very end, you're down, I think, 38 to 30. You've got the ball and it's got to be out of the shotgun, four wide receivers going out, and your left tackle gets beat, and your quarterback doesn't step up in the pocket. And 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 then we've just seen that kind of movie over and over again, and I think that's because that's his weakness. And then I think what people ask after that is, well, then why would you pay him so much money if that's yeah. his weakness, which I think is, is a fair question. Um, so tell me – uh, some other. I want to talk about some other things about what's going to happen. So you're picking the Seattle Seahawks for this game? Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah, I, I don't see any, any way around that, right? Well, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pick the upset here because okay. I think well because I think that Seattle their defense is perfectly set up for the Vikings to shred them, and if, 100%. They, if they get up in the game and you get a red zone stop against Seattle, they'll probably kick field goals because they don't realize they have Russell Wilson sometimes and they have those brain freezes. So if you get a red zone stop, which I think Zimmer can scheme up and they play three deep, which they love to do. That's their thing. You know, the the cover three, but they don't have the people to do it these days. And that's just 
perfect for the Vikings to run play actions early in the game, get up in the game, and then you know run Dalvin Cook and try to play from ahead. So I, I, yeah. I know that they're not as good as Seattle as an overall team. I know the Cousins isn't as good as Wilson, but they don't have fans there. And if you win this game, you are more desperate than they are. Like they're four and zero. They're you know they're happy. They're doing well. Uh, you have your season on the line. Like this is your Super Bowl. This is a kitchen sink game where you know, whatever yeah. you got in the deepest depths of that playbook, Gary Kubiak, you're pulling out for this week. Yeah, and I think also uh, sorry about that. I think there's also the inexperience of that secondary, like you brought up. Like this to me could be one of those games too, where um, DK Metcalf. You know, runs a route in the end zone, you know, some post or whatever, and either he catches it like late in the fourth quarter, or there's a pass interference call right. that changes yeah. the game. Like, yep. like to me, it's one of those situations. Like, you're Russell yep. Wilson, you're like, hey, Russ, it's thirty thirty, two minutes to play. You're driving down the field. You know, you got three plays left. You got to get a field goal or a touchdown to win. Russell Wilson's loving that situation. Mm-hmm. He's he's all over that. You know, because there are just so many – the way I view these teams, and I'll stop, there are so many things that I think can go right for Seattle under those circumstances and so many things that tend to go wrong for Minnesota in the same scenario. All right, so you're on the record. You got Seattle. I'm going to take yeah. the Vikings because I think that's more fun to take the Vikings for this game. Um, I want to know what's going to happen in some of these divisions, Myron. And I want to start with the NFC East because we've got a quarterback benching. Uh, We have a Dallas team that I was wrong about. I mean, it's funny because they're kind of a couple of just, you know, end of game situations from being three and one. But at the same time, you shouldn't give up 50 points to the Cleveland Browns. uh, And their defense is a complete atrocity. So I was wrong about the Dallas Cowboys. I thought that they would have a fine or average defense with Everson Griffin there now, and their offense would be amazing, and they'd be great, and they would run away with the NFC East. It's not happening. Philadelphia stinks, but they got you know kind of a, a lucky win. C.J. Beathard was uh, in the game by the end there. You got Kyle Allen is now playing quarterback for football team, and the Giants are the Giants. I mean, what is going to happen with the NFC East? Is it a six and ten division winner here? It, it feels, it feels possible, man. I don't even know if the winner of this division gets into the playoffs. I, I think they may be getting to the Citrus Bowl. Like, I think that's <laughs> where they should be. That's where they should be set, man. Because this is. This is terrible. And here's why Mike McCarthy might get fired, in my opinion. If you ever wanted a lane to get to the playoffs and you're Dallas, here it is. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are trash. Uh, the Giants aren't good, right? The Washington football team doesn't have is, a team name. is promoting a quarterback who no one in that organization can say that Kyle Allen's good. It's all like – no, no, he's fine. You no, know what I mean? The offense. Yeah, yeah. That's like they're saying everything, but he's good. So, like to me, if you're Dallas, you have all of this runway to get into the playoffs in a crazy year where a lot of weird stuff is going to happen. That's not necessarily based on talent and scheme, but just based on the chaos, you know. And there it is, right there for you. Bringing Mike McCarthy, you're putting up 500 yards a game. If you had any questions about your franchise quarterback, 
He's proven he better be a long-term option. But here you are with this terrible record. Excuse me. So I don't know. I mean, it feels like, yeah, we'll get a 7-9 and nine winner in that, in that division. But t- to me, like, who, what coaches are still – how many coaches going into next season on the hot seat if they make it through there, you know? Like, this entire division could be on the hot seat going into 2021. And, and the Mike McCarthy thing, now I think he would have to be – this would have to be really bad for him to get fired. But I don't think it's crazy. Like, the thing about Mike McCarthy is he wins the Super Bowl in Green Bay. And then he makes it clear he's not going to change and adapt. He rejects analytics. He doesn't listen to Aaron Rodgers as Aaron Rodgers is watching Andy Reid in Kansas City and all these other innovators around the league. And he's saying, hey, I want to do that. And McCarthy's saying, that's not me. And, you know, it cost Green Bay a lot of precious years because they didn't have a coach who was an innovator. Comes to Dallas and he says, no, 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 that was the old me. Mm-hmm. I believe in analytics. I, I believe in change. And now we're seeing the same guy. And he's got guys getting up to the podium and saying they can't give effort, 100% effort on every play. Like, Mike McCarthy isn't a guy who motivates people. And that's what you're seeing is, like, it feels like hopelessness has already set in for that team. For the Giants, you lose Saquon Barkley. You know what this year is going to be. Even yeah. if he was there, you were going to be in trouble. Ron Rivera, year one. That guy's trying to get to Trevor Lawrence at the end of the day. Nothing against Dwayne Haskins. That's a coach who's saying, get me to that guy, and then let's start playing football. Um, and the Eagles are a team that, to me, goes into 2021, and you, 2021, you got to have some conversations about Doug Peterson yep. and decide if he's the right guy um, and decide what's the future of Carson Wentz mm-hmm. because that might have to be a situation where you clean house. What excuse does Dallas have, man? Well, none uh, for the way that they've started because they were right in a couple of games that they should have or could have won. Um, You know, they lose by a touchdown to Seattle. They lose by a field goal to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, I would say, though, that the Rams aren't too bad. Seattle's very good, and Cleveland might be good. Their upcoming schedule, though, might solve all the problems. And we might be talking about Mike McCarthy just fine. What a genius job he did to turn it around. They play New York, Arizona at home, at Washington, at Philly in their next four games. And they could easily win all four of those games. Um, you know, Arizona yeah. has been a little disappointing to me. I thought that they would be better than two and two at this point. I did not expect them to lose to Carolina. Great job, Teddy Bridgewater. Good to see you run for a touchdown. Teddy. Oh man, that was beautiful. But I didn't expect, you know, the Arizona to go to Carolina and lose like that. And so maybe they're not as good as I expected. I thought Isaiah Simmons would have a bigger impact on their defense. He's not doing anything for them and they've got some injuries too. So if you're Dallas, you're going against uh, New York. That's horrible. Arizona that might not have any defense whatsoever and Kyler Murray might not be as good as we think they should kill football team and then at Philadelphia which they should be able to win as well and then you you reel off four wins in a row or three out of four there and all of a sudden it's like oh okay all is solved you're good where I would question them is not as much McCarthy it is the hire of Mike Nolan as a defensive coordinator because you know what one of the things that studies have found about defenses is that the biggest person 
uh, impacting a defense is the person calling and scheming the defense. And I know that, you know, this year's an example that no one's good enough to raise the level of a bunch of rookie corners who don't know where to go. Um, But at the same time, you look at uh, Zimmer's defense in the red zone and on third downs, they're still good. Like you can scheme up enough to help yourself on the defensive side. And I think Mike Nolan is clueless on defense. And so you hire somebody who comes in and doesn't help you at all. And this is where you end up being. I think they have enough talent on defense to be decent, but their defense looks completely lost and clueless. And that, so that's the one that I would question, but I do think they have six games left against NFC East opponents. They could win five out of six or all six. And really, I mean, even if you're if you're on their side looking at the schedule, Minnesota's not someone that scares you. Cincinnati doesn't scare you. They're in their schedule. Even San Francisco at home. So I I think that Dallas, when we're doing what's going to happen, I think Dallas turns this around. And by the end of the season, we're talking about, well, great job, Mike McCarthy. You got it turned around. Yeah, but how many times have we said that though? Like, why do I have to keep believing that? You know? Yeah. How many times have we done that with this with this team? Like, t- to me, the conversation is less about turning this around and the reality that you should be owing for and the situations they've lost, that to me should be the concern because that to me is late game execution. Right. And that's all on Mike McCartan. Right. The Falcons game is luck that they won. hundred percent. And, you know, I agree. Defensive coordinator matters. And certainly if, if there's a guy who's on the hottest seat of all in Dallas right now, it, it certainly might know him. But McCarthy has to steady the ship down the stretch and consistently post Super Bowl Mike McCarthy in Green Bay struggled there consistently there was a sense that there wasn't an or enough organization uh, enough of a vision in those moments and you had the back and forth with Aaron Rodgers and, and you had sort of this sense that this guy lacked the confidence his team that's lacked the confidence and and how he was going to close the show and whether or not he was going to put people in the best positions to win so that to me is the reality like they should be on four and you know weird things are going to happen in that division they've got a lot of injuries in dallas if you're putting up 500 yards and you're one in three and you should be owing four that's the top down man that starts in coaching and goes from there yeah, my thing with their schedule is that if you can't turn it around, then Mike McCarthy should be fired because yeah. the path is wide open for you to do so. Uh, I need a take on them benching Dwayne Haskins. Um, cause I'll give you mine. If somebody is benched this early uh, into their career, it is a tremendously bad sign for that person. And I have to think that Dwayne Haskins either wasn't picking up the offense or wasn't doing enough to show that he cared about picking up the offense. And there's a small thing that I kind of go back to with him. Now, first of all, coming out of college, he already was not a perfect prospect by any means. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a guy that needed to sit for a while. And yet, as it so often happens, they just throw him in anyway. Um, But with, uh, with Haskins, remember last year when he was celebrating his first win and somebody else had to go kneel down, maybe his case Keenum had to go kneel down in the victory formation because he was too busy celebrating. Like I've talked about Justin Jefferson and how he is never impressed with himself after he has a hundred yards. It's like this guy got his, 
first win, and it was like he hadn't been there before. And I just, yeah. I don't know, it's like a little small things that maybe it's, maybe it's silly, but you got to have your head in the game all the time. And if you're not committed to the level of being a complete psychopath, which you have to be as a quarterback in the NFL, and then you're going to fall behind. And I, I can understand why they would bench him. I think a lot of people went, oh, he's young, he's young. Right, but he also, if you're going to send a message that you got to be prepared to play, that's one of the ways that you do it. Yeah, I mean, this ain't peewee football. You know, youth ain't got nothing to do with it. Young quarterbacks prove themselves all the time. Yep, Joe Burrow looks uh, great. Yep. You know what I mean? So youth ain't the thing. Uh, Lamar Jackson comes in midway through the season, leads the Ravens to the playoffs. When right, not even year, not so. even with an offense that was tailored to him. Yeah, the the thing that to me that should scare Dwayne Haskins the most is I didn't see a bunch of guys in that locker room standing up for him. Yep, yep. Uh, the thing I've consistently heard about Lamar Jackson has been how much those guys love him. Yep. And and how much, despite his flaws, you've got a locker room that'll be like, listen, man, don't talk about my guy. My guy's good, you know, and, because they just love him. You know, they just they just embraced him. You know, the thing about him riding the defense bus, you know, the defensive team's bus to games, you know, before he was a starter, just things like that. I haven't seen anybody come out and say that this is the bad, a bad move. You know, hey, man, that's our guy. So, so for me, that's your number one problem is he hasn't been there long enough to, you would think, to lose the locker room. But, but certainly it doesn't appear that he's earned it either. And it feels a lot like Josh Rosen to me. Where Josh Rosen comes yes. in, he's the smartest guy in the room. He knows more than everybody else. You know, he's like this unique kind of prospect and wants to play the game his way. And there's all this buzz. And Arizona's like, we'll pay the money. We don't care, dude. We're, you're not, we're not going with you. And then he goes to a situation in Miami that seemed perfect. Yep. To at least try to carve out a backup role for a guy in this position. And Miami said, yeah, no, we're good, man. So to me, I wonder if there's more with Haskins beyond. Yeah mechanics uh it's a very very bad sign because now your next shot is being somebody's backup um and that's not an easy job to get you know they're not passing those out around the league and if you've got guys in that locker room who aren't vouching for him that was my number one sign man like where are the dudes in that locker room screaming no 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 you can't do this that's our guy can you imagine with lamar if something like that had happened right 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 you know right um I didn't see that with Dwayne. So that, yeah. to me, should be the scariest sign. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesesteak Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are also still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of more than $15 when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash 
DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So I think about something that uh, Jeremiah Searles talked about. He, we, I asked him um, about his top five players that he ever played with, like the guys that he was just blown away with or top five favorite teammates. And he mentioned Phillip Rivers and Cam Newton. And the way that he described both of them was in complete command of everything on the offense with both of them. They knew everything that everyone else had to do, every single assignment, every single route combination, every single defense they had to read, every single protection. He said that Phillip Rivers would change the protection on every play, basically, because he was in control. And if you do not have someone who is in complete command of your offense, then your teammates are going to look around and go, what are we doing here? because you're making us look bad because you're not in control. And I think that's the thing that players respect most about a quarterback, even if the quarterback is not quite as talented. But somebody like Case Keenum has complete control of the offense. He might not be the best player out there, and he might make mistakes, and he might throw picks or whatever. But at least as a teammate, you're going to love that guy because he is dialing all the right buttons, and he knows exactly what he's supposed to do and when he's got his head in the game and he's going to do everything he can to win, if that's not what you have there. And it clearly was not with Josh Rosen. He was never in control of his offenses. I went watching uh, some tape of him with Miami just to see, like, was it Miami that bad or Rosen was okay? And, yeah, there were moments where Miami, holy moly, was bad. But he just wasn't in control. You could tell he just was not in command of that offense. He looked kind of timid and kind of like, is this where my read is supposed to go? And that's going to drive teammates insane. So people were watching back the game against Baltimore and saying, well, it wasn't that bad, but that's not really the point that they know at least Kyle Allen is going to be in control of the offense. And you'd rather, if you're going to lose with either one, you'd rather lose with somebody who knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I mean, Ron Rivera, where did he coach? Who did he coach? You know, before he came, right. He coached that guy you're talking about. Right. You know, and, and Cam was a young dude playing with that fire and commitment. You know, and I think he wins MVP his fourth year in the league or something like that, fourth or fifth. So, yeah, you're not going to tell Ron Rivera the youth thing. And and can I just say that, like, we we are so, like, quick to elevate the talented young guys in this league. And, oh, my, look at, look at Nick Bosa, obviously, who got hurt and, you know, look at look at Joe Burrow. Like we're, we recognize a guy's ability to play right away. Like you know, early on in their careers, if they're ready, you got to be able to face the criticism too if they're not ready. Because guess what? You've been to the combine, you've seen the draft. How many guys are on the phone every single day with their agents, hoping to get a spot on the practice squad? <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, just yeah. get me into get me into camp, get me into a trial somehow. And just let me earn a spot on the practice squad. I mean, like there are so many guys who don't make it who are really, really good football players. So it's not that I – Dwayne Haskins is a young guy, and I do hope he gets a chance somewhere, you know, just because I hope that for any young guy in that position. But the idea that, like, you can't – you got to give him more time, this ain't – Say Pop Warner football. <laughs> right, right. Guys right. get fired in this league. Right. You know, like you don't have time to give people that much more time. 
there's something that sort of annoys me or frustrates me as a reporter is that when you cover this stuff enough, you can kind of read between the lines and you can see a, a little more of how they must be viewing it in order for this to happen. Especially now, if this was Jay Gruden, I might say, oh, he just doesn't know what he's doing, but it's Ron Rivera. He knows what he's doing. And uh, so when I see on Twitter, oh, what are you doing? Why are you benching this guy? This team is clueless or whatever. It's like, it reminded me of the Kyle Sloter thing where it's like, guys, there's a reason he's the number four quarterback. Like the, the, the reason is he doesn't know the offense and, and he doesn't even have a job in the NFL now. And people wanted him to be the backup. It's like, there's a, there's a reason why the coaching staff is not doing this. They don't miss these things. They're not clueless when it comes to evaluating their own players. Like they make mistakes, especially signings. Uh, they make mistakes on fourth down. They make mistakes with play calls, but they don't miss a whole lot on if a quarterback knows knows how to line up his offense or if the or if the locker room and the leadership is saying to Ron Rivera we need to put in Kyle Allen because this guy doesn't know what he's doing I mean that's it's just something that they don't miss um so I want to get before we wrap up a few other what's going to happens from you because we spent a lot of time on the putrid yeah. NFC East uh what what's going to happen with uh, Green Bay and Chicago um, do you think that Green Bay is legit Super Bowl contender, or is this a little bit like you played a lot of bad defenses, Atlanta, Minnesota, specifically Detroit? Um, and do you think that Chicago can keep this up with Nick Foles where they just barely escape with wins, or is this a house built of sand? Yeah. Um, I think defenses around the league are at a complete disadvantage considering what happened before the season. I think defensive players – lost more than offensive players with the restrictions in training camps and workouts, no preseason games, you know, schematically, you know, establishing an identity, which you always hear defenses talk about. It's been impossible for any defense in this league. So I, I don't know that any league, any defense has, has figured it out. And that means if you've got an efficient, excellent quarterback, you're just going to have a chance to win every game you play. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, this is just, we're seeing that. And then on top of it, you got officials who are saying, we're backing off some of the penalties that we usually call because it's not good for the game. It's not as much fun. And basically we've been told from the higher ups, let them play. That, that is the equivalent of no longer being able to hand check in the NBA. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, how come everybody's averaging 25 points a game? <laughs> because you can't do anything to stop them. So Green Bay has, I think, a guy's playing efficient football on Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to have an advantage in those situations. I think they'll be tough to beat, even though they've had so many injuries, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard. Um, but as long as you got a chance to win down the stretch, I think they win 12 games. Yeah, okay. I can you see know? it, yeah. Yeah, I think they win 12 games. Um, playoffs, I don't know, man. It's still too early for me to understand yeah. what happens. But 12 Hopefully and we have playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Chicago <laughs> – Chicago's another team that could be 0-4, essentially, right? I mean, they're another team where you look at them and go, they could have lost a bunch of these games. <laughs> they switch quarterbacks. Nick Foles, are they balanced enough to get enough out of Nick to get their defense to keep them alive to win 10 games? Considering how they've started, yeah, I, I do think that. Um, now, I think they get to get into the playoffs – and get destroyed in, in their first game. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think they're on the path to being a 10-win team. But let me say this. How they look, 
they could be a seven win team too because yeah. there's three games already they definitely should have lost. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you don't have to apologize for those or give them back. So even yeah, if they true. even if they just play okay that's down true. the stretch, you know, you're still in great position. I think that their defense looks very violent. Uh, and yes. and uh, when I saw Khalil Mack pick up an offensive lineman and throw him, I was like, you know Scared. what? The, uh, you should still be very afraid of the Bears defense. And I'm not picking the Vikings at Soldier Field because yeah. Khalil Mack is picking up dudes and throwing them. <laughs> um, okay, so last thing for you. By the end of this season, which quarterback would be more likely that we declare washed? Brady or Breeze? And uh, last night, Brady had his moment where, like, you take the keys away from grandma. Like, when he, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, we, we had an, an older neighbor who uh, got, you know, lost once and, uh, you know, just kept driving and ended up, like, two states over five hours yeah. later. Um, that was when we took the keys away from her. That was Brady forgetting how many downs there are. But at the same time, yeah. Breeze can't throw it more than eight yards down the field. So which one are we declaring washed by the end of the season? That's a great question. With the weapons they have, it's going to be hard for Brady. Like, I think Brady will still look like – this feels like 9 Brett Favre in some ways to me, the potential for that. Um but, like, you don't want to go another year. Like, he's probably another year from being watched. I think it's Breeze for sure because we're, we're seeing how limited he is with Michael Thomas Hurt and the workload that Alvin Kamara – I mean, they did they pay him enough money? The guy's literally doing everything for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think Breeze has the ability to beat teams down the stretch with his arm anymore. Um, and, and I think maybe he lost that. Before that, maybe he's lost in the last couple of years. He couldn't do it against Minnesota. The, they, the, they needed him against the Rams in overtime, uh, you know, in the NFC Championship. He didn't do it. So I think we're finding that he's no longer the playmaker mm-hmm. that, that he once was. So I think we'll say, we'll say Breeze. Yeah, I think that they both look like 10 and 6 maybe or 9 and 7. And Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers looks like he's the best quarterback in the NFC by kind of a a country mile outside of Russell Wilson. And I think we're looking at more of two game managers here at this point that I really didn't like what I saw from, from Brady. Now the week before he threw five touchdowns. So, you know, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, But there were just some things there when they started to beat him up where I went, Hmm. Uh, I think a little bit of reason for concern there. And then them losing Vita Vey is a huge deal on their team. Oh, man, that's so they, sad. They need it to be a complete team. But also Brady's team hasn't been healthy either. So the same same sort of deal. But that'll be interesting to watch if by the end of the season we say for either one, okay, man, make sure you hang up the cleats because this is over. Uh, I have enjoyed this episode of What's Going to Happen, Myron. We should do it again soon. Anytime, man. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage advantage of all the great sign of bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.